man, we had a lot of children up in here today, didn't we? All right, y'all ready for the word? Uh, we've been uh, we've been kind of studying the different sacrifices in Leviticus. Uh, today we are on the sin sacrifice um, and how they're all different. You guys know it took five sacrifices to talk about what Christ did in one sacrifice. Amen. It is a really cool thing to be able to look back and see Jesus in all those. So will you pray with me as we get started? And Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word is always true. It's always on time. It's so powerful. Thank you, Father, for the people that you brought here for this appointed time, God, that you would just bless them with your word, that they would walk out of here completely changed by seeing Christ in the scriptures. We thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, let the church say Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about the sin offering. One sacrifice for sins forever. Amen? All right, well, I wanted to show you, first of all, Second uh, Peter 1, 2, just open up. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How many of you guys could use grace and peace multiplied in your life? How does that happen? Well, it's in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Anytime you look in Scripture, guys, seriously, if you're, if you're, if you're lacking peace, if you feel like you're lacking grace, un, uh, undeserved favor in your life uh, because you, you, you took your eyes off Christ and you put it on yourself, if you want more peace and more grace in your life, it simply tells us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. And we do that, guys, when we see Jesus in the Word today. Everything in Scripture is about Jesus everything you go back and you look at the old testament all those stories are about jesus that's why when jesus was walking on the road to emmaus the the, the day he rose right he's walking and he's telling those those two people the, the the two disciples that were walking that road with him he's telling them man he went back and told them everything that that was about him in scripture the bible says from moses to the prophets that means all the old testament was about jesus and he was saying that joseph represented me he was a picture of me amen and you find life there when you see that. So, so 2 Corinthians 5, this clicker is like legit, sensitive. You need a man, not any man who's sensitive. That's what I can get. No? Y'all don't know that one. Y'all know that one? Ralph Tresvant? You came in at a good time, Pastor B. I was just singing a little Ralph Tresvant. You knew him? Yeah. Y'all like, please get back to the word. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, we talked about the burnt offering. Here, we know this verse. We have the burnt offering, which is Leviticus chapter 1. And we have the sin offering, which is Leviticus 4, right? Well, here we have both of them, right? For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That is the sin offering, right? And then we have the burnt offering. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. The, the, the burnt offering is all about Christ giving us his righteousness, right? You lay your hand on the, on the bull. The bull receives uh, all, well, in that instance, the, 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 the righteousness comes from the perfect animal sacrifice to us. Are you with me? The sin offering is different. The sin offering is us laying our hand on the, on the offering and the animal getting the sin that we have. Okay, it's a divine exchange. So we have the, the sin offering represented there as well as the burnt offering there. Now let's go right into Leviticus chapter 4. So it says, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, if a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and does any of them. 
So sins unintentionally, what in the world does that mean, right? I would go ahead and tell you, and you would probably agree with me, that every sin we commit is a sin of intention. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, most of them are sins of intention. We, we sin, uh, it says here, unintentionally. So what does that mean? Like, who sins unintentionally? We do have some of those, don't we? Sometimes you can do stuff and not know it's a sin. Sometimes you can do things and hurt people and not know you hurt them. Sometimes you can do things uh, that you didn't plan to do. You know, like no one plans to cuss when they step on a Lego. Right? It's not premeditated. It just comes out. Right? Right. So there's four categories of sin in Leviticus chapter 4. Each one of them represents something that Christ died for. You ready to see it? It's beautiful, man. I love this stuff. Leviticus 4, starting in verse 3 here. If the anointed priest sins, so who are we talking about right off the bat? The anointed priest. Who is our anointed priest today? Jesus, right? So, so this says, if an anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people. See there? Uh, uh, if the priest sins, he brings guilt on the people. Why? Because the high priest represents the people. As the, as the high priest is, so are the people. If the high priest had a, had a sin back then, guess what? Then, then none of the people would be blessed that year because he represented the people. I want you to know it works the other way too. When you have a high priest that is perfect, he represents the people, the people are blessed. That's who we are today. Amen? We have a high priest, Jesus, who is perfect in every way, and he represents us. So we are blessed beyond measure. That's why the Bible says we have the blessings of Abraham. We're not trying to obtain them. We have them right now. Amen? So this is about the anointed priest, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, for his sin, which he has sent a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. Without blemish we know is Jesus. Amen? That, that animal represents Jesus. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Lay his hand on the bull's head. There it is where you lay your hand on the bull's head, the transfer. And kill uh, the bull before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood. How many times, church? Perfection. When you do that, perfection, seven times before the Lord, that means you are sprinkling it seven times so that where you stand, you are perfect. You are holy. Amen? That's the high priest there. Uh, he should put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for, of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar. There it is where you stand, where the burnt offering, of the burnt offering, uh, which is at the door of the tabernacle meeting. He shall take from it all the fat. You remember that? All the sweetness, right? All the fat of the bull as the sin offering. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver uh, above the kidneys. He shall remove as it was taken from the bull the sacrifice of the peace offering and the, and the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. We have done a study. If you want to go back, you can, you can get those podcasts that we have uh, of what all that means. It is all about Jesus. All of it. Every body part is about Jesus, especially in the Hebrew. It's really awesome to see. 
Uh, but the bull's hide and all its flesh with its head and legs, its entrails, and its offal. Now, who, who wants to tell me what that is? Dung. Yes. Offal. This is the first sacrifice, church, that you see this in it. You know why? All the other sacrifices were about Jesus, right? This is also about Jesus, but he's representing us here. That's why you see the dung here, right? Jesus had nothing, nothing that Jesus did in those first three offerings, the ones that were in uh, sweet-smelling aroma to God. There ain't nothing sweet-smelling about dung. Ask Kelly. She will kick somebody out of the room quick. Ophel, that's the first place you see it in these sacrifices. That's representing us. That's all our dung, our dung. That's what it is. All right. The whole bull shall carry out. He should carry outside the camp uh, to a clean, uh, clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out. It shall be burned. It's outside the camp. You guys know Christ was crucified outside the camp. So the first one represents the high priest and he represents the whole nation. So as the high priest goes, so does the nation. You with me? Today, what does that mean for us today? Today, that means our high priest is perfect. He's seated at the right hand of God. And where he's seated, that's a place of rest. It means he's not worried. We don't have to stress. We don't have to be anxious, as Pastor D said earlier, for anything. You know why? Because, because Christ is in control. He is. In fact, the more you stress, the less you rest. And the more you rest, the more you see you're blessed. Don't make me bust out in that little rap right there, boy, because that would have been a great place to do it. All right, let's see the second one. Now, if the whole congregation, the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord and anything which should not be done and are guilty when the, uh, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of the meeting. So here you can see clearly that this is about who? It's about the whole congregation. The first part of it was about the high priest. Now this is about the whole congregation. If the whole congregation sins, they're supposed to bring a bull. Same thing. You see that? So it's not just, it's four different separate kinds of sins. And aren't you glad that there's one sacrifice that covers all of it? So it doesn't matter what category. To God, sin is sin. Right? But it's all covered by one sacrifice. That's how beautiful the Lord is. So that was the whole congregation. I also wanted to show you this. Then the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. Okay, the veil. So, so there you see it seven times again for, for the perfection of the offerer. All right, Leviticus 4.22 says, When a ruler has sinned, a ruler, this is a leader in the church. When a leader in the church has sinned, and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God, in anything which should not be done and is guilty. Uh, leader of the church. Dang. This joker is going. It's quick. The leader of the church, he offers, he actually offers a, um, man, <laughs> sorry guys. Yes. No, it's, it's just, it's just a touch it and it's a... My, mine at home doesn't work like that. I got to get up off the couch to get close to the TV. It's frustrating. <laughs> that sounds spoiled, didn't it? 
How many of you guys had to turn the channel for your dad when you were little? He had to sit in front of the TV. He's like, turn the channel four. <laughs> yeah, adjust those ears. <laughs> so here, a ruler sins. When he sins unintentionally, he's supposed to bring a male, a male goat to the, to the offer. That's the one I don't have there. But he brings a male goat, a leader of the church. Are you with me? And I want to show you to hold on to that thought because the next one is, if any of the common people, common people in the church sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord or anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed. Now, the reason I want to show you that is because the, the church leader brings a male goat. The common people within the church will bring a female goat. So why the difference? Why the difference there, right? Because back then, and ladies, if you send me an email, I'm not going to read it, okay? I'm not banging on you. I'm just saying back then, male was more important, okay, in that culture. It's the male was more was worth more right that's why you always hear uh they numbered the males but they didn't number the women and the children i mean that's just the way it was back then so that's the difference here because how many guys know if a church leader sins if a common person sins not many people are going to hear about it right but if a if pastor dear i sin especially preaching this grace message in this community it's going to be on the news right uh, so a church leader with uh his sin has a greater effect right would you agree a church leader so so basically what what that's that's why a male would be offered as opposed to a female goat yes okay but aren't you glad like i said earlier christ his one sacrifice covers all that all four of those different types of sin amen so that's the church member one now unintentionally you kept seeing the word unintentional 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 right what is an unintentional sin? We kind of briefly touched on it. I'll give you the Hebrew for it in just a second. But um, most people will say, unintentionally, I get, right? That I get that whole sacrifice. But what about this verse in Hebrews that tells us this? For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there, is no, lo there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That'll put somebody in bondage right there. You know why? Because... Wouldn't you say most of our sins are willful sins? And, and so you're basically, if that's true, that if we sin willfully, then there's no longer sacrifice, then, then we shouldn't even be here this morning. Because Christ dying on the cross meant nothing for us because all our sins are willful. So there's got to be some kind of different meaning here. Amen? <laughs> yes. So the word for, um, for uh, willfully or, or uh, unintentional is, is the word Shagag, shagaga. All right, say say shagaga. That is the Hebrew word for it. Shagaga. It, it literally means uh, to go astray, err, commit sin or err, uh, to do it ignorantly or inadvertently. Right. That's what that word means. So when we, it means to sin by temptation. Wouldn't you say most of our sins are by temptation? Amen. So all those sacrifices in Leviticus 54 were about sins that we commit with intention, okay, uh, t by temptation. We, that, that would be most of our sins. Wouldn't you agree? So if anybody sinned that way, it's shagaga. I love it because now when you step on a Lego, you can go shh, 
Gaga. Instead of the other word. <laughs> Not that I ever did that. I'm just saying. If somebody's struggling with that. Shagaga. <laughs> I just like saying it. So let's go to Hebrews because we just saw Hebrews 10.26, right? Where it says if you sin willfully, there no longer remains a sacrifice. That's scary to a lot of people because we, we continue to sin willfully today. Amen? So let's see what that, you always got to read it in context, church. Always keep it in context. Don't let one verse throw you away from everything the Bible says that we, that we focus on here all the time. Amen? One verse can put you back in bondage. So I'm going to show you in context what that verse is all about. All right? So let's go, to, let's go earlier. That was uh, verse 26. This is verse 8. Previously saying sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings, and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. So he here in Hebrews is talking about what we just read in Leviticus. It's talking about all those sacrifices, okay, um, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This is talking about Jesus. What is the will of God? Wouldn't you like to know what the will of God is? I mean, if it says we've come to do the, he came to do the will of God, we got to know what that is. I, that's like the secret that has been sought after forever no what is the will of god i want to be in the will of god what is the will of god well look he says it right here this is what christ came to do if anybody said what does christ came to do there's numerous answers out there but this is what he came to do the will of god i can't i've come to do your will oh god he takes away the first that he may establish the second what does that mean what was the first the law the, that covenant, that's why it says up there, according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first covenant to establish the second covenant. You, he took away the, 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 the covenant of law to establish the covenant of grace. Amen? That's what it says. That's the will of God. Shouldn't we all be doing that? Get rid of the law and focus on his grace for you. It's, it's, it's his grace that will change you. The law couldn't do it. Nobody could keep the law. David couldn't keep it. Nobody could keep it. Christ kept it. That's why he came as our representation. In fact, the more you try to keep the law, like Paul said, the more I try to do good, the worse I do. Because you keep trying to do something that's already been done for you. You will never be able to be perfect. Sorry. But the person that represents you is perfect. So he established a second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. For how long, church? Sanctified means holy. You have been made holy. That's why it says sanctified. Da, 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 da. That's past tense. It's already done. By that will, by the will of him getting rid of the law and establishing grace, we have been sanctified, have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You are made holy forever by that one sacrifice. You can't get any more holier than you are. And you be holy as I am holy. Right? You go back and read that again in context. You'll see that it means he made you holy forever. Now walk in that. Stop trying to be holy. Receive the fact that you are already holy. 
and if ev and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices in Leviticus 4, 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, right? All five of those, the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. None of those sacrifices could take away sin. They just covered them for one year. And, and the burnt offering was one that you could voluntarily do. If you needed to feel like you needed uh, a sense of more of God's righteousness on you, you would do a burnt offering. But a sin offering is something you had to do every time you sin. There are a lot of animals dying. There'd be a lot of animals dying today. Amen? But that, that's what the difference is between the burnt offering. The burnt offering is not every year. It's, it's whenever you needed that sense of righteousness, right? The sin offering happened every time you sin. Every time you sin. But all those, all those offerings only covered, only covered it up. But when John saw his cousin, he said, there's the Lamb of God right there. That's the Lamb of God who doesn't cover it up. He takes it away. That's what Christ did. That was the difference. That's what he's trying to say here. He, they could never, ever take away sins. But this man, Jesus, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice, church, for sins forever. Not until you confess. It says forever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever. You are forgiven forever because of one sacrifice. And see, that is the work of Jesus. We saw the will of God. Now we see the work of Jesus. What did he do? Man, he made us holy and he, he gave us our forgiveness forever. You're not forgiven until your next sin. You're forgiven forever. That's how powerful it is. But see, we were always taught, man, you're forgiven. But if you don't confess that sin, there's a chance you might not make it into heaven. Now that puts a lot. Do you think God wants you to feel that way? Do you honestly think someone that gave their son for you wants you to walk around wondering if you're okay to get in heaven? Or did he say, I write these things that you may be sure you're going to heaven? Too many people get put in bondage because they're afraid that they forgot something. If you drive over a cliff, you got to get it all out. God, forgive me for this. God, God, I feel like I'm forgetting something, Lord. And by that time, you smash into the ground and it's too late. You go to hell. That's what we need to tell people. I want to be a part of that. Do you? You want to be a part of a religion, that, because that's what it is, a religion that says, man, you got to confess everything. you got to go back and remember. And you you got to go see a therapist so they can put you in this trance so you can go back and remember where you were when you were three years old. Because you might have a sin, right? Sin is sin to God, man. You can come out the womb cussing up a storm. <laughs> or you can cuss yesterday. Sin is sin. Now, I'm not for sin, but I'm telling you this, sin has been paid for. And the more you know sin has been paid for and who paid it and why he paid it, because he loves you more than anything, if you, if you can get a sense of that, the sin will, the, the, the temptation will get weaker and weaker instead of you getting weaker and weaker. Amen? That the law made you weak because you could never keep it. But grace makes you strong. There's power in grace. You know the power of sin, the Bible says? You know where that is? Power of sin? It's in the law. So the Bible says the power of sin is in the law. Well, what happens if you remove the law? You remove 
the power of sin. That's what Christ did. It took me 20 years of being in church to figure that out. And when I figured it out, I, I, I ain't never been more free than I am today. Amen? Can anybody testify to that? I love that, but this man. That, that needs to be a t-shirt, but this man. People say, who? You got a few seconds? <laughs> or for me, it'd be like, you got an hour? <laughs> no, you don't need an hour. Man, I love that, though. But this man, after he offered himself one time, man, he sat down, sat down. You know why? The other priests were always standing. You, you, you saw that earlier, right? Every priest stands ministering daily. You know why? Because the work ain't done. But now, where's Christ? He's seated. Why is he seated? Because the work's done. You know the first place you see an angel sitting? In the tomb. When Christ rose, Mary went in there, saw two angels sitting. One at the head, one at the feet, where, he, where Jesus had laid, right? You know what that is a picture of? The Ark of the Covenant. Two angels sitting. What's on the mercy seat? Jesus. The bloodstained uh, wrap that they put around him was right there, man. That was the... That was like a live version of the Ark of the Covenant. Isn't that beautiful, man, how Scripture just rolls together like that? Love that, man. All right, so Christ is seated, seated, not at the left hand, but at the right hand. What's the right hand significant of? Power, blessings, that's where everything, everything good about God is on the right side. Jesus was always like, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Amen? Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's the place of power honor glory um all right so he's seated there from that time waiting for his enemies to become his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified do you know what that means that one offering now has he done that already yes we have the benefit of reading this knowing that christ did that already so because he's done it already, you know what that means? You know what that's saying? That means we are perfect in the eyes of God. Why? Because we're perfect? No, because our one sacrifice is perfect. Now that's good news. That's what the world needs to know. The world needs to know they can't be perfect and we can't either. But that's okay because there's someone who is perfect that loved them enough to die for them. Instead of telling them, get perfect before you come in here. If that was the case, none of us should be in here except me and Dwayne. Maybe Colton. He's a little angel. Ah, since I said Colton, Grace, on all y'all. <laughs> There's one or two that might not be able to make it. <clears throat> Bobby. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, Bob. All right. Um, for by one offering, guys, that, that is a huge verse that we really need to meditate on. It, that one offering, he has already perfected us forever. Like you can't get more perfect for the Lord because he sees you in Christ. He sees you in Christ. But the Holy Spirit. So we saw the will of God, the work of Jesus, and now the third thing, the, the, the work, the witness of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit witnessing to us? But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. That, now we got to know what the Holy Spirit is telling us. What is the Holy Spirit telling us? I've been to churches, and I used to say this, where the Holy Spirit 
convicts me of what? Sin, right? Like, like the Holy Spirit is convicting me of this sin. Man, I got to walk away. But, but listen, that's not what it says in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 16. Go back and read it. It's very important that you understand this. Uh, the Holy Spirit, if you grew up thinking like I did, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. That is true at one point in time. Jesus was talking to his disciples, right? Talking to his disciples in a room. And he says, I have to go. It's to your advantage that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back, right? And the Holy Spirit comes back. Uh, he's going to he's going to do three things. He's going to convict the world. He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Okay, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And that's where we get it from. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. But then he goes on to explain what he was talking about. So he's looking at his disciples and he says, con con concerning sin, because I'm going to my no concerning sin because they. They, not you, they do not believe me. So sin is not for the disciples. He's talking about concerning sin. The Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin because they do not believe me. He's talking to the disciples and he says, they. Are you with me? Now we've all been convicted of sin one time. That's why we came to Jesus. But then he goes on concerning righteousness because I'm going to my father and you will see me no more. Now he's talking to the disciples. So the Holy Spirit's role in a disciple's life is to convict us of righteousness. Of, of That even though you may fail, you got to know that I still see you as righteous. And you got to know it because I'm not going to be here in front of you anymore. I'm going to be in heaven. And you got to know that. And that's where we are today. We got to know, guys, that even when we fail, that God still sees us as righteous. And that's how you get up and keep walking. Because the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. He doesn't lose his righteousness. And see, we, we, we've been beating people up. This, this is pulpit, man. You can either pull people out of the pit or pull them into the pit. we got to be able to say, man, you are forgiven forever. And uh, you're just telling people they can do whatever they want then. No, I'm not. I'm saying the more you understand grace, the less power sin will have in your life. I, I, I don't know about you, but I beat myself up all the time about sin. Sin that I did 20 years ago. I see a girl walking in the mall. I'm like, oh, God, please don't let her say hi to me. Because the first thing I want to do is say, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she's probably like, for what? Because she, she's probably moved on. But I, that, that's how powerful guilt is, right? And we got to know, man, that's not for us anymore. Guilt and shame is not for us. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world, the, the, the little G God, right, Satan, has been judged. So don't let people say the Holy Spirit's role in your life is to convict you of sin. He, one time it was, but now as a believer, he convicts me of righteousness. The Lord wants me to know that I am righteous apart from my works, apart from my deeds. Amen? All right. The Holy Spirit also witnesses to us after he has said this before. This is the covenant. So what is the Holy Spirit telling you? What is he telling you? What is he witnessing to you about? This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. It's not about the Ten Commandments anymore. He's going to put laws in your heart. You'll know what to do because he'll put it in there. You won't have to try to keep the Ten Commandments. He will put it in your heart and in your mind. 
For instance, I always use this example that, that like when you pull off I-75 and there's people with wanting money there, right? And I used to think, nah, and still I do. God gives me wisdom. I'm like, no, nah, don't give it to him. Because I got burned one time. I, I gave a guy $10. I watched him go into the Jiffy store. I watched him buy cigarettes. I watched him come back out. Stand right in front of my windshield like I wasn't even there. I wanted to get out and say, Chicago! <laughs> I'm like, I gave you that to buy something to eat, right? But the Lord was like, man, that's not for you. You, you did what I asked you to do. I'm like, you wanted him to smoke? He's like, doesn't concern you. Just do what I wanted you to do. Trust me. I'll make that work for his good. Right? And so, so now I don't do it all the time because I know that the Lord, but, but the Lord will tell me when to do it. He writes that. Now, that's not a Ten Commandment, but that's a law that he writes on my heart. Are you with me? That's an example. Um, so he says that this is the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit is witnessing to us today. Right? I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on there. And then he adds this. Very, very important. This is what the Holy Spirit wants you to know today. He's witnessing this to you today. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. That's the new covenant. That's what the work of Christ has done. That's what the Holy Spirit is witnessing to us. You see how it's all in context. This is the Holy Spirit witnessing to us that, hey, God's not remembering your sin anymore. Why? Because Christ took it. Stop trying to hang on to it. Stop trying to negate what Christ did on the cross. He didn't just do it 99%. He did it 100%. You are completely forgiven. Now, does that make you want to start cussing? No. So don't let people say, hey, you're just giving people a license to sin. You do not need a license to sin. You never have. I've got to get that prop done, though. I keep saying I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get a little license. It's my license to sin. <laughs> you know, that, man, that, 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 is, that is from the pit of hell. Pit of hell. The more you know that you're loved, the more you will want to please him. Think about your own relationships. Think about your own parents. The more you know you're loved by your parents, you can't help but want to please them. The more you think that they don't love you and they're holding stuff against you, the further away you'll get. But you know why? Because you'll say this. Why even try when I can never please them? And we take that attitude into our loving father. And he's like, stop trying. Just know that I love you. Believe that. Amen? I love the fact that no more means it's a double negative in Greek. Ume. Ume. He says, I'll never, ever, never, ever remember your sins. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Why are we still not offering today? Because we have an offering, a one-time offering. Where there's remission of sin, there's no need to offer anymore. You know what we get to offer now? Thank you. Praise and worship. Every time you praise, every time you worship, you're, you're offering to God. You're reminding Him of what Christ did for you. Amen? That's a good place to be. Therefore, because of all that, guys, that's what therefore means. Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, find out why it's therefore. Therefore is there because of the previous verse we just read. Brethren, having boldness, boldness, 
to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's why we can come to the table. That's why the veil was torn. We can have boldness to go in there. How can you have boldness if you're focused on your sin? Even a dog gets that. If a dog pees on the carpet and I go, Brody, he's like, right? Even animals get that. You always, when you focus on your sin, your head goes down. Amen? You don't have boldness. You have guilt and shame. So he wants you to have boldness. How do you have boldness? Focus on your Savior and not your sin. Amen? Then you can walk into God. You can walk into your Father. And you can say thank you. Anytime you say thank you, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. You start quoting scripture like that. God's like, that's what I want to hear, son. That's what I want you to know. That's what I want you to tell people. Yes, as Jesus is, so are they. I love them as I love Jesus. Now that changes the world. Instead of get right. The more you try to get right, the quicker your hands go down. You know, you can come into church and feel like, man, I'm just worshiping, worshiping. And then somebody gets up here and says, hey, we need to pray. You need to get right. You need to ask for forgiveness for a sin that you may have committed. And then all of a sudden your hands start to go down. You're like, why? Because you just took your attention off of Jesus and put it on yourself. Whoo. Are y'all blessed? Oh, here, check this out. So we can have boldness by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. His flesh was torn. The veil was torn. It's a new and living way. The Bible calls the law the ministry of death. Amen? Amen. So remember, in context, he's talking about doing the will of God. What's the will of God? Taking away the first, establishing a second. That's what this is. Does it look like a dance move? Do it with me. I don't do it. But that's what this is talking about, church. He's getting rid of the law and bringing in this ministry of grace. And he's saying it's a new and living way. The, by, the law, by, the, by the law is the knowledge of sin. Sin is death. But by grace, you see Christ and you have life. He came to give you life, not just life, life more abundantly. And having a high priest over the house of God. This is going back to Leviticus. Let us draw near. He, how much? Can, he can't say it any plainer. Draw near to him. Not just draw near, but with a true heart. Full assurance of faith. Right? Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's like, draw near to me now. Before you couldn't. But now you can because of what Christ did. Keep it in context. All right. Let us hold fast to the confession of our sin. Is that what it says? Because that's how we read it sometimes. He doesn't want you. You can't hold fast to a confession of sin. You can hold fast to a confession of hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So hold on. Hope. Hope. Hold on to your confession of hope. A confident expectation of good coming your way that's literally what it means that's what we hold on to so when you sin you hold on to a, a confession of hope i'm confident i'm expecting good to come out of this you know why because god can make anything work for your good in fact he says i make all things work together for your good Woo! 
All right, here we go. So what if we sin willfully? Well, if you keep it in context, let's read it. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer re uh, remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That, that's scary. When you, when you take it out of context, but when you keep it in context of what we just read, that Christ, what Christ did on the cross was a one-time sacrifice. He's talking about, see, people will always tell me, if you reject Moses' law like you're preaching, I'm like, did you read it all? Did you read it all? How many of you guys ever go to buy something and you don't read it all? Well, that's a bad question. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know it said that. Got to read, got to read all the directions, right? But don't let people just pick and choose verses to put you back in bondage. Keep it in context, right? So, so the next verse says, of how, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy, right? If you, if you neglected Moses' law, it was a bad thing. So how much war worse is it if you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. Now, what is that? We just read it. It's the covenant of grace. The second covenant. We just read it. It's not the law. He's not talking about rejecting the law here. He's telling you the difference. How do I know that? Keep reading. Which he has sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. And people take those couple of verses out and they say, man, when you reject the law and you preach like you do, man, there, there remains no sacrifice for you. I'm like, you can believe that. I ain't receiving that because my Bible says there is a sacrifice, one sacrifice for me. And he did a perfect job. Therefore, I am perfect in your eyes. And they're like, try that sometime. Tell somebody that's up in your face, bro, I'm perfect. They'll be like, that's what the Bible says. He perfected us. You're not lying when you say that. In fact, the more you believe it up here, guys, the more you'll walk that way. People need to see why we're perfect. Amen? So, the spirit of grace. How do you insult the spirit of grace? Trying to go back to the law. Trying to go back to that first covenant. Luke 23, 34 says, when Jesus said this, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. When he's hanging on the cross, he's literally praying for them. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Is that an unintentional sin? Or is that a willful sin? Listen, they willfully put him on the cross. They willfully uh, cussed at him, beat him, made fun of him, mocked him. So when he says they don't know what they do, I'm telling you, all sin is about Leviticus 4. It's unintentional. All sin is unintentional. You know what willful sin is? Willful sin is neglecting what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's what he's talking about. That's why he says the spirit of grace. Doesn't that make sense now? Don't let people say if you sin willfully, you're going to be judged. That's talking about people neglecting what Christ did on the cross establishing a second covenant a covenant of grace we saw that in context so 
I don't know if you grew up thinking that that was true for you. If you sin willfully, then then you might you're going to be judged and you won't go get into heaven possibly. That's a lie. That whole chapter is talking about what Jesus has already done for us. That's why I emphasize the past tense. Right? He did that for us. All right, let's close up. Let's go back. Some good news. Good news. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, say forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Christ is seated today because the work is finished. It's finished. We need to rest. Seated is a place of rest. We need to rest knowing that. Look at this. Romans 10.4. For you guys that might be out there thinking, hey, we still got to keep the law, though. We still got to keep the Ten Commandments. Let me show you this. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Everyone. Christ is the end of the law. You don't, you, in other words, you could never do it. There's only one way that it can be done, and it's Jesus. If you believe that, he's the end of the law for you. You don't have to try to check boxes anymore. You can just walk freely. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. But that doesn't mean that you have to offer a sacrifice again. You know what that is? You're like, you offer a sin sacrifice. You're like, oh, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. God's like, I have. What more do you want? I gave you Christ. Get up. Walk. Christ is the end of the law. You don't have to do that anymore. The quicker you understand that you are forgiven and that you are loved, you will be able to walk and be used mightily by the Lord. None of us are going to be perfect here. I hope that sets you free right there. None of you are going to be perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. Accept the fact that a perfect person took your place and made you perfect. That's what the gospel is all about, church. The more we understand that, I think the more the world I believe the more the world will, will, will think less of us as being hypocrites. Because we tell people, you got to be perfect. Look at us, look at us, look at us. We're perfect. We're in church on Sunday. The church building does not make you perfect. Showing up, an attendance record, doesn't make you perfect. You know what makes you perfect? The blood of Christ. The same thing that can make them perfect. We need to tell them that. Amen? Christ is the end of the law. Do you, have, have you accepted Jesus? Then he's the end of the law. Even in the Greek, it's not that hard. You know what end means? For now. For now. For now. Fini. Fin. Whatever language you want to say. Finished. There's no more. You pay for a car payment, church. I promise you on that last note. It's paid for, Yes. If you go back in the next month to make another payment, you're an idiot. Yes? Stop trying to pay for your sin when it has been paid for. Amen? Praise the Lord. Stand up with me, if you will, church. Give Jesus a hand. I'm going to bring Pastor D up. He's going to close us out. Listen, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, we can meet right down here, right out there at the end. Uh, I would love to, to, to pray that prayer with you to let you know that God loves you so much that he gave you his son, Jesus. It is a beautiful thing. If you've been struggling with guilt and shame, it's not for you, church. Take your eyes off the past. Your past does not determine your future. Amen. Amen? That's what the Lord has given us. He's given us life. 
And if we, if we understand to get your eyes off of that, get your eyes off your past, focus on what he can do for your future. I love that my past doesn't determine my future. It's the same for you. I'd love to pray with you out there. Man, just, I'll just remind you of everything that I just said. Scripture, we have been perfected. It's not for you. Don't carry around guilt and shame anymore. If you're looking for a church, this is who we are. This is how we sing. This is how we preach. This is what we believe. It ain't going to change. There's no going back, right? Can you right. ever go back? How many of you guys can go back somewhere else? If you know what I'm talking about. It's like, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll get up and walk out because it's not for me. Don't even take my word for it. Go back and read it yourself again. Over and over. I always tell people, go read it again. Don't just take my word for it. Amen? I was really hoping none of y'all would say amen. You should take my word for it. But I'm glad you don't. So Pastor Dwayne, the way we do it here is he comes up here and he blesses you on your way out just as you were blessed on your way coming in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for revealing your truth to us, God. We thank you uh, for revealing that to us that Jesus himself is the truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word says that he who the Son says free is free indeed. We thank you, Father, that for the truth that we know has made us free in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we just bless you. We thank you for giving us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word today, Father. We thank you for always just going before us and making our path straight and giving us opportunities, Father, to be your glory in the earth, to be your mouthpiece, to be your hands, to be your feet, to touch lives, to take this gospel to the world, Father, to our family, to our friends, our co-workers, Father, everyone that you would give us an opportunity to encounter, to engage, to love on, Father. We just bless you and thank you, Father, for just the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich, that you add no sorrow to it. Now, Lord, I speak that over this house today, over every man and woman and child, Father, every household represented in this place, Father. Thank you, Father, for causing us to be blessed, Father. We thank you for giving us faith to believe you and to trust you and to allow you, Father, to do what only you can do in our lives, God. We bless you and we thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are dismissed.